0: It's a great question because I also can see that that's the point of failure for a lot of people that do what I do. Um, you know, it's it's easy to influence change when you've got a you know very small number of individuals that you're hopefully trying to influence. Uh, and actually, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's easier. I mean, I've got two daughters, and so I'm I've been trying to influence change with two daughters, and that sometimes that's difficult. So, uh, is is not just the numbers. Um, but certainly the the larger you know the number of people that you're trying to influence even the the the, the more distributed an organization is the more challenging it it does become
1: it has been well established that companies with more ethnic cultural and gender diversity are more innovative and profitable than those without being intentional about diversity equity and inclusion strategy simply makes good business sense but how do you do that what strategies actually work. This podcast tells the stories of visionaries who are actually changing the diversity landscape of tech and explores the strategies they're using to become more diverse by design. This is Nia Darville, your host, and you're listening to the Diverse by Design podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Diverse by Design podcast. This episode, I have the awesome opportunity to talk to Franklin Reed, Executive Director of Inclusion and Diversity at tech Systems. Franklin is the driving force behind the Inclusion and Diversity Strategy for Tech Systems, a global provider of technology, business, and talent solutions. A leader with a deep passion for inclusion and diversity, he partners closely with tech systems, corporate executives, and business leaders to develop an enterprise strategy and initiatives that align to organizational priorities that impact our people and business. Externally, Franklin consults with clients to explore opportunities that empower them to achieve their diversity hiring, compliance, and supplier diversity goals. These engagements enable tech systems to outperform industry averages for placement of diverse technology talent across 6,000 clients. Franklin has been with tech systems for over 20 years and understands the critical role a diverse and engaged workforce plays in achieving company objectives. He says, My passion for inclusion and diversity is cemented in the idea that we are better, go farther, and can accomplish significantly more to the degree that we're able to leverage our differences and bring our authentic selves to work every day. Without further ado, let's dive into our conversation. All right, today I have Franklin Reed, Executive Director of Inclusion and Diversity with me. Thank you for joining us, Franklin.
0: Thanks for having me, Nia. I'm excited about our conversation.
1: So first, tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your story?
0: wow my story uh there's a there's a lot to the story so i'll try to keep it nice and short um but I'm born and raised on the south side of chicago i had an incredible privilege of going to a pre- performing arts elementary and high school which uh really opened me up to a lot of different opportunities uh, mm. but um there was a this sort of uh Two role, two worlds, I should say, that I kind of grew up in because I grew up in this very diverse, um, I would say, cultured, uh, all kinds of experiences as it relates to my academic and um, elementary and high school upbringing. Um, but I would leave school and I would go hang out and play in the lobby of the Cabrini Green projects of Chicago and Mm -hmm. could manage myself in both worlds and had family, had networks, had friends in both communities. But, but, you know, as I look back now, that experience really prepared me, uh, unbeknownst to me for the work that I'm doing around people and engaging people. Um, Mm. but that set me on this path of, of, um, being completely open to all kinds of experiences, and so now I'm gonna really fast forward because i'm gonna fast <laughs> forward to the workplace and so when i I came into you know tech systems where I've been now twenty one years uh, and initially starting out in business development and sales, because of that background, I was able to connect with people extremely quickly, build trust quickly, assess their needs, and then be able to very convincingly sell them on products and services. But after about 12 years of doing that, I wanted to pivot my career and uh, move into um, the diversity and inclusion space. And when I made that pivot, um, you know, I certainly didn't see myself being here as long as I've been here, but it awakened this latent passion that I didn't know existed. And and that was this intersection um, that the job gave me an opportunity to play at. The, it was almost this three-way intersection, if you will. It was my appreciation and love for the company that had treated me extremely well, provided me with opportunity and resources to be able to do things for my family that you know would have been very difficult to do. So that was one in diversity and inclusion, being able to create an opportunity for people who came from similar backgrounds as myself uh, or look like me, or, and I wanted to make sure that they saw success. And then third was the intersection of driving organizational change. Um, Mm. which again, I didn't know that there was this latent passion to be able to do and bring all three of those things together. And now seven and a half years later, I absolutely love what I do. But if you ask me to describe it, I know that at the end of the day, I am a behavioral and organizational change manager. I'm just doing it right Mm. now via, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion platform.
1: Mm. Wow. What a great story. What a great story. You started off in sales. Well, first of all, you started off um, understanding people and mm-hmm. understanding how to operate in different worlds. And you've brought that to your sales career and now to inclusion and diversity. And eventually, who knows what? Because as it sounds, you're not just an IND professional. It sounds like you are a change manager, which, of course, diversity and inclusion needs. And that's where we're going to center most of our conversation today. Okay all about change management. So yeah. you started off in sales and then transitioned into diversity and inclusion about seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So how did you engage the operational apparatus of the organization to actually drive change across the entire company?
0: Yeah, that is a great question. Um, it's a great question because I also can see that that's the point of failure for a lot of people that do what I do. Um you know it's it's easy to influence change when you've got a you know very small number of individuals that you're hopefully trying to influence um uh, and actually I shouldn't say it's easy it's easier I mean I've mm-hmm. got two daughters and so i'm I've been trying to influence change with two daughters and that's sometimes <laughs> that's difficult so uh' it's, it's not just the numbers um but certainly the the larger you know the number of people that you're trying to influence. Even the, the 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 more distributed an organization is, the more challenging it it does become. And so, your ability to be able to operationalize your approach and um break it down into consumable, bite size um, elements of change will position you for success. Um, you know if you didn't do do those things and so for me coming out of sales where the sales process was pretty you know it was um rents you know wash rents repeat wash rinse, repeat wash rinse, repeat mm-hmm. and because i'd seen a tremendous amount of success you know in that space it was easy for me then to take that mindset into, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to operationalize the things that we wanted to do. And that was, that showed up in everything from having a pretty standardized approach to how we launched employee resource groups and support those employee resource groups, all the way to, you know, what is our approach to supporting our customers and their quest to Um, onboard and identify diverse talent and and what's the best way to operationalize that across multiple industries and across geographies and so on and so forth. The other benefit to um, approaching this work from an operational perspective is it gives you an opportunity to also focus on what success looks like and then being able to identify um, the returns on that process. um, to ensure that you are seeing progress, and so, for me, having an approach that is repeatable that also isn't dependent upon me. so if I you know decide to take a thirty day sabbatical or whatever, or you know even if I decide to leave the organization, the flywheel should continue to turn um mm. that's when you know that your organization has matured, and even you've matured to a point where The work can continue without you because you've got the flywheel going.
1: Mm, mm. So in operationalizing diversity and inclusion at Tech Systems, did you start from scratch? How did you gain the interest and partnership of key stakeholders in starting this journey?
0: (sighs) Yeah, well, I won't say we necessarily started from scratch. Um, We had a a tremendous leader who who was my boss previously, um, who had really laid the foundation for the work that we were doing. And um, I know we wouldn't be where we are if she hadn't been tapped on the shoulder and asked to um, launch our efforts formally. Um, Mm -hmm. She has a very similar background that I have in that she transitioned out of the well, not necessarily a similar background. She actually transitioned out of the operational side of our business into to doing this. I transitioned out of sales, which is an operational approach. And so I was mm-hmm. able to build upon what, what she had laid. Um, but I do know that um, there were a couple of things that I saw immediately that we needed to do once I was given this wonderful privilege of leading the strategy and the team. And that was to elevate the the efforts and the responsibility of the efforts much higher in the organization and that is within our C-suite. Um, while we had seen a lot of progress because we were working, you know, across the middle managers and then, you know, that layer of individual contributors, and we were seeing a tremendous amount of engagement. We had a ton of champions. We had a lot of folks that were sort of um, engaged in our efforts and holding us up. Uh, And we saw progress, Um, but what we didn't see was it snapping into the overall strategic objectives of the organization and having a level of commitment, resourcing, um, showing up in our corporate communications in the way that we needed it to, and then most of all this uh, accountability, it wasn't until we elevated it to um, really me having a direct connection to our our president, and then being a part of our senior leadership team that we started to see the kind of progress, the kind of sustained change. But then also, you know, this work, I mean, you know, when people say it all the time, it, it, it takes a while to see the kind of change we want to see, and it, they're absolutely right. Right. But it also takes sometimes taking some very bold moves and some swings at the bat. And so a lot of times you can't do that unless you've got the ear, you've built trust, you've got a relationship with the most senior leaders in an organization. Um, And so I know once we established that, that was the major contributor to the progress that we started to see.
1: Mm, Wow, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so in some of our previous conversations, we've discussed how common it is for those who spearhead d initiatives to succumb to frustration. What is your advice to people who are either already doing this work or who are considering beginning their journey? How do they avoid burnout?
0: Well, uh, you know, I, I, that's a great question because I, I don't know if burnout is avoidable or if it's just manageable um this work is is challenging because you're dealing with hearts and minds and if you really are focused on seeing change that's sustainable then it it requires close to close combat with people who may not think feel or believe the same way you do and a lot of them in order mm-hmm. to actually um connect in a personal way that will drive that personal change that they will de- that will then show up in their behaviors. And so because that is your audience, it is emotionally draining. It's mentally draining. Um, it's intellectually draining. And so I, I I don't you know, I think burnout will happen. I think it's all about how we manage it. And a lot of the management for me has been having a community, connecting with people who understand um exactly um what's taking place in this work the emotional roller coaster that comes along with this work and giving you the space and the permission to be frustrated to be cynical at times to um they understand you know you don't have to provide context you can actually let your hair down um and we'll also then be there to um support you, pat you on the back, lift you up and remind you why you're in the ring. Um, It is something that I noticed, you know, after, you know, this sort of national or global or social awakening last year that took place, that many of my peers were, you know, expressing this sort of frustration to the point where they're like, I'm done, you know, I'm tapping out. and I understand mm-hmm. where all of that came from. I really do. But I also saw it as a, a real threat to the progress because at a moment where we have the attention of a lot of folks, granted, people make mistakes and they're doing you know, crazy things and saying crazy things still, and they're, you know, um, some of their their efforts and active actions are misguided, this was this isn't the time to, tap out. In my opinion, this is the time to actually mm. press a little harder and even make requests and ask that you might not have felt you could make previous to now. Um, and so I think this is just a, a still, we're still in a window of opportunity, all that w- window is waning, but I think we're still in a window of opportunity to, to make some big ask. Um, and that's actually one of the things that my boss has been challenging me with lately is to You know, let's take even bolder swings.
1: Mm. Mm. So you mentioned part of managing burnout is having a a circle of people who can support you, who you can vent to, you can be yourself with. Who are those people for you?
0: So I've got an incredible team, first of all, um, at work who um, they're not only a part of this work formally as practitioners, but then I have... um, individuals who, you know, they are partners with a different title. You know, they're doing a, a, another job, but they are so invested in this work that they they definitely become partners um, to me. And then I've got my my, my wife is absolutely tremendous um, and she has no problem, you know, t- telling me, close your laptop, walk away, step back, um, you know, turn your phone off uh, and what have you. Um, and so that helps the other thing that I think is important is, you know, one of the things that we teach our leaders and then we even drill it down into sort of that next level of leaders is helping them understand these, these four um, levels of, of energy, you know, and really learning how to manage your spiritual energy, understand how to manage your mental energy, your emotional energy, and your intellectual energy, and actually having a practice for each one of those that, uh, you know, having a practice that aligns with each one of those sort of pillars, if you will, uh, puts you in a position to address your whole person. And so we, we we do a lot of, you know, education and teaching with our leaders and, and with our folks. And, and that's something that I also try to pay attention to. Although, you know, <laughs> I have successes, you know, success for a period of time and then you know, I'm fighting against handwinds mm-hmm. in other periods of times. Yeah. At other periods well, of time. Well, it
1: sounds like you're doing great. Just just having that mindset, having identifying the people that you can go to um, and get support and also being aware of those different energies um, sounds like a great start in managing your burnout. Um, so to pivot a little bit. So you've been leading this work at Tech Systems for seven and a half years now. What significant changes have you seen in the organization as a direct result of your efforts?
0: Well, I think one of the most significant changes I've seen is the change that doesn't necessarily happen in between, um, you know, within our four walls. It's the change that takes place in people outside of our four walls, because it's easy to manage yourself when you have expectations around behaviors when you come to work every day. But when you're out in public and you're at the grocery store, you're at your church, you're a doctor, you're at your park. And you are engaging with different communities and you actually have options. You have the option to not engage or mm. you um you know, you and your family make decisions about the kind of social um, connections you make and the social responsibility that you engage in. And you actually have options on what you do. When we start mm-hmm. to see our people and our leaders demonstrating that without our you know, influence, that to me then is a signal that real change is happening. And mm-hmm. I have seen, I've been a part of, I've had countless stories of people who are taking the things that we t- teach them around mitigating bias and leaning into discomfort and allowing yourself to be in an environment where you are, you know, in the minority and get a sense of what that feels like, leveraging your voice and your power and your resources, um, addressing inequities again, outside of our four walls, to me, that's some of the the most significant change that that we've seen. Now, if we talk about within our four walls, the things that we're starting to see is um, the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion is happening and it's not being initiated by me or someone on my team. So Mm. interview process, feedback, Who has access to who? Those are the things that's happening without being influenced by me or anyone on my team. Um, And Mm -hmm. to me, those are victories because, um, number one, we're not going to be a part of every interaction. We can't be, we're not in every room, but to have leaders and to have people who are part of something and they're willing to say, hold on, time out. I think we are leaning into experience bias here. Let's let's pause Mm -hmm. or or another another individual saying, "Okay, slow down before we move forward with the uh, selecting these candidates for interview. Are we sure we open this up to every single person and Mm -hmm. they all have equal access to this this promotional opportunity? Those are the Mm -hmm. things that's happening that to me is directly impacting how diverse we're going to continue to be, and especially within leadership and the degree of equity that is baked into our DNA um, and reinforced by the behaviors of our people. Um, We're we're also not afraid to talk about what's what's going well for sure, but we are absolutely not afraid to take a look at a data point and say, man, that's messed up. Now, what are we gonna do about it? And so um, getting us comfortable with the discomfort to me is also a victory. And I guess if I had to pick one more, This work being incredibly supported and resourced by the top brass of our organization, including our president. Um, And um, to me, that is absolutely one of the most um, significant um, signs of progress that we've made. It is now, it's just an expectation that we have of our leaders around inclusion. And now for us, we're focused on all right, well, how do we take it to the next level? You know, what Mm -hmm. are, how do we, How do we hold ourselves and our leaders even more accountable? How do we put, you know, even deeper stakes in the sand that says, you know, we this is the progress that we're going to hold ourselves to and and we're expecting as an organization. And and, um, I think for us, it's exciting. It's terrifying, but it's exciting. Um, And I'm excited to be a part of it.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing with us today, Franklin. Uh, Do you have anything else to leave with the people?
0: You know, I, I think you you opened it up by asking about um, just operationalizing this work. Um, I, I don't think we can understate how important that DEI leaders really see this work as change efforts and um, and change management. And you know, there are very real practical approaches to really understanding how you're going to multiply change across um, humans. You know. And I, I tell this this joke in the story that, you know, it, it it takes some companies two years to get your people just to recycle paper. Mm. You know, now imagine getting them to actually think differently about the people that they interact with in a way that they didn't even know that they leaned into an unconscious way of approaching and behaving and making decisions. And so it's so complex and so without having a real approach to the process, it just becomes that much more difficult.
1: Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Thank you for reminding us that operationalizing diversity, equity, and inclusion must be done as a change management tool. Um, and that is the way that we need to be thinking about DEI in order to make sustainable change. Thank you for being with us today, Franklin.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us as we discussed operationalizing a diversity and inclusion strategy with Franklin Reed from Tech Systems. Diverse by Design is powered by Perscolis and the IT Senior Management Forum. To learn more about how we can help your organization become more diverse by design, visit our website at diversebydesign.org. Before we let you go, we want to thank our sponsors Tech Systems, JPMorgan Chase, Google, Chubb, and Comcast NBC Universal for their support. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss any insights about how you can make your organization diverse by design. Until next time.